Okay, so polyvagal theory. When I was at medical school, I was taught that we had the uh, that that our autonomic nervous system consisted of the parasympathetic and the sympathetic, and the parasympathetic was where we were resting and digesting, and the sympathetic was fight or flight. And there was no mention of freeze. I found out about freeze later, but I didn't really know where to put it, so I just put it with fight flight together. So Stephen Porges, who made up the polyvagal theory, says there are three different states. And the first one is social engagement, which is connection, safety, and oriented to the environment. In this state, we feel calmness, we feel settled, we feel grounded, we have curiosity and openness, we're compassionate, we're mindful and we're in the present moment. And this is the state we're in when we're in safety. And it's mediated by the ventral vagal nerve. So they're all mediated by the vagal nerve, but different aspects of the vagal nerve. And in this state, we have better digestion and intestinal mobility, motility. We have better in resistance to infection, we have a well-functioning immune response, we're resting and recuperating, we feel health and vitality, we have good circulation to the skin and extremities, we're making oxytocin, which is involved with social bonding and which allows us to be still without being in fear. That's interesting um, because stillness can induce fear so when we have oxytocin we can be still and still be and feel safe at the same time um, it increases our ability to relate to others and connect and in our actions we our voice has a melodious sing-songy prosody it's called um, kind of quality and there's lots of facial expression there's movement in the eyes and head turning not sure how that relates and the breath is a certain way is calm and uh, full and it decreases our defensive responses so that's the social engagement condition that we can be in then the other one is the good old sympathetic. So that in that state, we've got fight or flight. So if we're fighting, then the lower end of the scale would be frustration, then a bit higher with irritation, then a bit higher with anger, and then a bit higher with rage. But it's movement towards something. So you've detected a danger and you're moving towards the danger to fight the danger or attack it or get rid of it or kill it. And then in flight, um, the lower end would be worry and concern, leading to anxiety, leading to fear, leading to panic. And that would be movement away from the danger. And those two states are states of movement and hyper-arousal. And you go into those states when you have detected a danger. 
and you're in that state, both of them, your blood pressure increases, your heart rate, you have more fuel available to you more efficiently, there's adrenaline, there's oxygen circulating to the vital organs, the, your blood clots a little bit more in case you bleed, your pupil size, he says pupil size, but doesn't say if it increases or decreases, um, bronchi dilate, meaning you breathe, you get more breath in, and it's a defensive response. And it reduces your fuel storage, it reduces your insulin activity, reduces your digestion, salivation, relational ability, and your immune response. So when you're in that state, you're obviously not going to be feeling sociable or paying, or your body's not going to be paying attention to digesting and, and processes that are not urgent because it's mobilizing all it needs for the fight or the flight. And then the that that so that fight or flight is the it doesn't say which part of the vagal nerve. But then the the third one to talk about is the state of freeze. Um and that's from the dorsal vagal. Actually I think sympathetic and uh, sorry, uh, fight or flight and freeze are both from the dorsal vagal but different parts of the dorsal vagal. So this freeze is collapse, immobility and conservation of energy. And um, I mean these words that I'm going to read out apply to how humans feel when they're in this state. They're not necessarily applying to the biological function of freeze. So the biological function of freeze is playing dead. And it's um, it happens a lot to reptiles. If reptiles are in danger, they just go completely immobile. Um, and we all, everyone, any um, animal that's evolutionarily beyond uh, reptiles has it as well. But reptiles have it Instead of all the others, they don't have the fight or flight or the social engagement, um, or at least to a much lesser extent. And it, it consists of um, helplessness, raised pain thresholds. You're not aware of it when you're in pain, when you have pain. Depression, numbness, dissociation, feeling trapped, preparation for death, hopelessness, shutdown, and shame. And when I first read those words, I was struck by those are all words used applying to people who are depressed. And so in a way, depression could be seen as a state of freeze that's just become stuck instead of being in a state of freeze temporarily for a specific reason, remaining in that state of freeze for prolonged periods. Although even people with depression come in and out of that. They don't feel those things 24-7 every day, but they just feel them to a large, in a large percentage of their, of their time. And it increases, freeze state increases fuel storage and insulin activity, causes immobilization behavior, uh, creates endorphins that numb pain and raise the pain threshold. You're conserving your metabolic resources and you've got a low heart rate, low blood pressure, low temperature, muscle, low muscle tone, low facial expression and eye contact, low depth to your breathing 
and your social behavior is very poor and you don't you're not attuned to the human voice so there's actually um, muscles in your middle ear which the tone of which uh, change according to whether you're in social engagement or fight or flight or freeze and when the muscles are not working properly you you're not attuned to the particular frequencies of the human voice which is fascinating. Um, in fight or flight, you're more attuned to either high frequency sounds or low frequency sounds, missing out on the vocal, like um, human voice sounds, which are more in the middle. And low frequency would be a growl and high frequency would be a distress call from a human. So um, it actually changes the muscle reaction of the middle ear muscles and changes your hearing. I mean, that's so fascinating and amazing. Um, and the last thing that this freeze state reduces, it reduces sexual responses and reduces immune responses, which would make sense. So it's a state of shutdown. It's a state of everything decreases to make you look like you're dead and correspondingly you also feel like dying or feel like you're dead with all those other symptoms and it's a it's an adaptive mechanism it's a survival mechanism it's what animals go into when there's a danger that is much greater than the danger for fight or flight so in fight or flight there's a danger but there's a danger that you can run away from or you can fight when you're in freeze your body's perceiving this threat as being life threat there there is no possibility of fighting or or fleeing and your best bet is to play dead because then there's some chance that the person or animal trying to kill you will think you're already dead and then give up trying to kill you so that you might have a chance of running away or maybe it also just puts you into a stage of preparing you for death so that you're not fighting the death that is about to come and interestingly, this freeze response, when mammals have it, can cause death. So I've used to have guinea pigs and I remember being told that if a guinea pig got really scared, it could just drop dead. And that actually happened to one of my guinea pigs. A, a dog um, got into the enclosure or picked it up by the scruff and then put it down again or something traumatic happened and the guinea pig just dropped dead from this freeze state and apparently it happens in mice and it happens in newborn babies who are premature particularly because premature babies are pretty much only they don't have their social engagement thing actually fully working yet and their fight or flight isn't quite in place yet and so they've pretty much just got the freeze and it can kill them um, they stop breathing and um, their heart rate goes right down. So, and in, in adults, in just normal people, that's what happens when people faint, when they faint from fear. So um, people f often feel faint and start to faint when they have um, blood taken or any kind of injection. They have a vasovagal reaction. That is actually part of this freeze response and um, people can faint from fear so I don't know that humans particularly die from fear the way guinea pigs and mice do but that's pretty uh, it's a pretty strong physiological response and what puts you into one state or the other or the other is your neuroceptors 
I'm not sure exactly where they are. I don't think he really describes that, but he's postulating that the nervous system has receptors that detect danger and they're probably not a receptor. They're probably a, a myriad of different signals that's interpreted in a certain way. And when you perceive danger, you get put into one of those three states whether you want to or not, consciously. Um, so, And then the danger that you perceive may or may not be a genuine danger. So, for example, public speaking will put people into fight or flight or freeze because it's a danger. They're perceiving a danger. They're perceiving that there's either a threat or a life threat. But there isn't really because public speaking is not actually dangerous. So, and now it, it is, it can be modulated. I might talk about that on another one because this is already quite a lot. Um, but those are the three states and a sign of good health is to be able to come in and out of these different states and not get stuck in one of them or not be spending a large percentage of your time in one to the detriment of the other others. But what I found most interesting was that they're, they're semi-mutually exclusive. I mean, when we're really skilled and we're really regulated, we can be in multiple states at once at the same time, which in fact is what play is. Play is social engagement blended with fight and flight. And he suggested that meditation is freeze blended with social engagement, or it's a different blend because you're immobile and freeze is the state of immobility. He also said that the social engagement system, which um, mammals have but reptiles don't have, is the reason why we can hang out with each other without killing each other because apparently a lot of reptiles can't do that. If they see another reptile of their species, they'll just kill it because they're just permanently operating from that. Everything's a danger. They don't have the social engagement system. Um, yeah, so that's really interesting. And, well, I thought it was. And the trick... Um, for regulation is to be able to come in and out of the states and not get stuck in them. So I'll, um, I'll figure out what other aspect of polyvagal theory to talk about for part two because there's a lot to say and I've just found it really fascinating and I think it's so applicable to everything to do with health because if that stuff isn't regulated then maybe it doesn't really matter so much whether you eat well or whatever you do. I mean, it, it does because the eating well will help you regulate your nervous system. Um, so they are interdependent. But I think I've always thought with all these health habits, it's a bit stupid dealing with only one, having a perfect diet and ignoring um, stress, movement, sunlight, etc. So this is another way in to health and well-being and thriving. Enjoy your day.